This is Dario Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 192. Okay. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7-Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye what is going on good people welcome to a brand spanking new installment of the before the millions podcast i am your host as usual not with the most my name is Darrell Alia, and if this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Sit down, get comfortable, grab a drink or two, and let's get some knowledge going. On today's show, we have on Mr. Tony Javier, and Tony is a longtime 20-year real estate investor who does a lot of the types of deals that I do. No and low money down strategies. Now, his strategies are a bit different, but he doesn't use a whole lot of money to buy his deals because we're creative and we cater to a motivated seller's needs. Well, a long time ago, I'm talking about 10 years ago, Tony realized that direct mail and a lot of the marketing methods and channels that we use today were providing great returns, but there's another vehicle that could provide him with 10x returns. And that vehicle, ladies and gents, is TV commercials. And I love it. I love it, guys. You know that I bring on a ton of different people from you know all parts of the world with all different strategies. But today we have on a guy who markets with TV commercials. And you may just be like, okay, Dory, that's that's not something I would ever do or could ever do, or it probably costs like you know a hundred or you know, ten hundred thousand dollars, right? Um, but actually, it's it's actually a really formidable concept. Once you listen to this strategy and you learn exactly what Tony is explaining, you're like, oh, I can do that. That's not too bad. I, that makes sense. And and it's not a really high, you know. And what's cool about TV commercials is that it's a really high value activity, right? You're getting ten x, you know. T- Tony and his people are getting 10x returns and a whole lot of popularity in the local market. It's building trust. It's building recognition. I mean, it goes a long way. So I was super excited and super have Tony on the show. And we're going to cover his story. We're going to talk about TV commercials. We're going to talk about the inside of his business. Tony runs six different businesses. And and for a while, he was plateaued at two and three. And he was doing all the work in those businesses. But as mentoring and hired a coach... He was able to grow to six different businesses and still works from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. With a growing family and a ton of outside obligations. 
So we get into his personal life. We talk about his Before the Millions journey. Again, I love just picking the brains of just some of the most brilliant real estate millionaires on the planet. And adding, you're motivated. Hopefully, you're on drink number two at this point. Let's go ahead. And, and actually, before we get into the show, man, I, I have a small, very small rant just because Again, this is a podcast and I'm a podcaster. I never actually considered myself a podcaster until today, but I'm a podcaster. And not only that, right, as a podcaster, I listen to podcasts, right? I, I love podcasts. Most people who podcast love listening to podcasts. So I listen to a ton of podcasts. And as a type A person who's super organized, I need my podcasting app to be super organized. And the app that I've been using for the past, I don't know, six years has been Apple Podcasts, has been iTunes, right? And I mean, I've always heard the rumblings about how bad it is and how much it's not, you know, user friendly and how it's bulky and how it's this and how it crashes and how it fails. But not only have I heard those things, I've actually experienced a lot of those things. But I mean, again, I'm, I'm an Apple guy. So, you know, MacBook, iPad. You know, all the stuff, even the software, I'm I'm always, you know, I'm always on board. I don't even think twice, but (sighs) with Apple iTunes, um, I've tried for a very long time. And I think I'm going to have to switch, guys. I'm going to have to switch. I know it's not a big deal for a lot of you, but for me, as a person who listens to podcasts for a good majority of my day, um, it's very frustrating. They came out with a new update. Over the past, uh, I guess for me, it's been over the past few days. Some people have had it for a few months now, which is crazy to me. But the update is like, it, it, it's, it just doesn't work. Like, it's not like, oh, it looks bad. It feels bad. I can't get to this. No, it just, it doesn't work. Like, I can't delete episodes. I can't, like, it's just, it's madness. And you would think that this is something that, you know, people would complain about and they'd fix it in like 24 hours or a day or two days. But this has been going on since, I guess, all year, right? And this is on top of the years and years and years. And I'm not meaning to beat up on Apple again. I love Apple. I use all their products. But when it comes to this, it's totally trash. So I'm in the market for a new podcasting app. I've looked at, um, I've looked at Overcast, which is what I've looked at Overcast, which is ten dollars a year, which is probably the one I'm going to go to. Again, I never thought I'd have to pay for a podcasting app, but um, it looks pretty awesome, and I'd rather pay them than to continue to use Apple. I've also looked at Podbean. Um, there's a few more out there. I looked at what you guys were using. I was like, well, I, my listeners are probably you know fifty percent on you know Apple iTunes, you know podcasting app or whatever it's called. Um, yeah, it wasn't fifty percent. Because I was like, okay, it's probably going to be 50%. Let me see where like a lot of the other listeners are listening, what, what devices they're using. And maybe I'll, I'll use one of those as a recommendation. I went to check out the listenership and 80, more than 80% of you guys are using Apple, iTunes, podcasts. Like, wow. Um, I'll continue to promote it. I'll continue to have you guys send all your reviews there. And I know it'll be like the, the flagship app, but I personally, I'm not going to use it for my regular podcasting use. So, um, that was my little rant there. <laughs> um, and if you have any recommendations, please let me know as far as a great podcasting app that has a great interface and you could, and has like just basic functionality, like I'm good. Right. Um, so there's a little rant. Let's get into the tip of the week and then let's get into the show with Mr. Tony Javier. The Ray's Tip of the Week. 
This week's tip of the week is a lifestyle design app called Air DNA, A-I-R-D-N-A. And the website is airdna.co. And if you're an Airbnb investor, then you already know. You already know. I don't even have to do any explaining, right? Um, I heard about this app maybe a few years ago by uh, one of my mastermind members, uh, and this was like in the early probably development stages of this app, and it hadn't really taken off yet. But I started hearing a lot about it over over time, and at, more recently, heck, uh, this morning, um, I'm ne- negotiating for a 1.1 million dollar deal. And yeah, I know it sounds like it's a big number, but I buy all my deals with none of my own cash or no money down or low money down. So it's not really as big as a lot of people make it out to be. But anyways, I needed to analyze this deal as an Airbnb property because it's the only way that I could see this deal actually being profitable at the purchase price. So anyways, I was just like, man, like I really need to figure out the numbers and make sure that we can make a profit and we can make a large profit, or at least we can sell it to an investor that can make a large profit. So this tool, AirDNA, which is found at AirDNA.co, came in clutch because it gave me so much data on the property, on the area, on other properties in the area that are currently listed. I mean, it was just like, oh, I was just like, what? like all this has been available to me all this time. This is crazy. One of my favorite tools that AirDNA has is the AirDNA calculator, right? So it'll give you the annual revenue. It'll give you the average daily rate. It'll give you the 12 month future forecast. You'll get the occupancy rate. I was just like, whoa. And then right under all of this, you'll get an analysis of all of the similar rentals in the same neighborhood. I mean, they always say knowledge is power, but this type of knowledge is really, really powerful. So if you're in the Airbnb market, if you're an Airbnb investor or Airbnb host, I know that you may already know about this tool. And if you don't, then hopefully this message is God sent because it's I mean, it's it's super powerful. Like, I love it. Um, You guys know I'm a big fan of tools. In my business, I use PropStream. I use FreedomSoft, some of the most powerful tools out there. Um, but given that I'm not in the Airbnb space, I don't get a whole lot of opportunities to dabble into something like AirDNA. But I did this morning and I was just like, wow, this is definitely the tip of the week. So, uh, yeah, AirDNA.co. Now let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. When I was young is when I realized I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had all these ideas. Um, I had my own lawn mowing company. You know, I always had these things in my head, like ideas of like how to make things better. Um, even like playing video games, it was like, how, how can you add different buttons to the, to the controller so you can do more things? And literally like within a few years after thinking that, um, placed, not PlayStation, but there were like controllers that came out that had like different joysticks and all that kind of stuff. So that's when I was like, you know, you know, just started that entrepreneurial journey in my mind of like, how can I make things better and how can I do things that, um, I don't know that are just different. So how I got into real estate was 20 years ago I was actually in high school and I bought an info product on TV for 200 bucks called the no down payment system by Carlton sheets. I think most, uh, people that are, probably more than about 25 or 30 years old, probably know what that product is, but uh, taught me how to buy properties with no money down. And at the time I was um, waiting tables and in college and I just saw 
my, you know, the light bulb go off once I saw the commercial. I'm like, you know, I saw people making money, passive income, uh, flipping properties. You know, they've put, put all these big numbers on the TV and I'm like, there's, you know, I want that. Like there, there's something about that, that I just saw, like I, I can do that. Ordered the product, got, got in the mail. And at the time it was CDs and it literally had just got converted from tapes to CDs. That's how old this was. Uh, and so, <clears throat> you know, came in a booklet, um, uh, with some CDs and I just got infatuated with the concept of real estate and how you could buy properties with no money down. If you wanted to rent the properties, you could have tenants pay for your mortgage. They could pay them off, you know, that kind of thing. So within about, I don't know, three or four months, I ended up buying my first property. Uh, had my dad co-sign for me, used the whole no down payment system. Um, he co-signed for me, put the down payment down on my first property. Uh, and then uh, I think it was either my second or third property partnered up with a um, uh, with a friend that had inherited some money. And uh, he came to me and he said, hey, you're starting this real estate thing. What do you think I should do? And I said, hey, well, let's partner up. Um, so let's buy properties and you know use that money. And uh, at the time, Burr was not uh, a concept that was taught. So Burr is buy, renovate, rent, uh, refinance and repeat. Right. Um, so we did that with like 10 properties within a short amount of time. So we had 10 properties, uh, in less than a year. And my net worth basically went from nothing to, I don't know, several hundred thousand dollars within a year. And I'm like, this is amazing. Right. So, um, so that's kind of how I got started my entrepreneurial journey. I just, I, I, you know, knew in my mind subconsciously, I think that I was going to invent something or come up with something that was just like different and that I could bring to the world. Uh, and then, you know, I found real estate and 20 years later, here I am with, um, uh, a flipping company that I don't spend a lot of time in. We flip a lot of properties, uh, each year. I've got a rental company. Uh, we own co-working space. Um, I've run virtual real estate masterminds and just all kinds of other stuff that, um, you know, I've, I've put together as an entrepreneur, I've got a vision for, uh, for things that I, that I want and I put good people in place and just kind of make it happen. So that's kind of, kind of where it started and fast forward to today. So, so tell me this, Tony, when you, when you first got started, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't a, another, another side hustle, another side job. There wasn't a corporate job. It was all, it was always real estate a hundred percent. So I was waiting tables and in college when I found the program, I was 21 years old. Um, I saw the infomercial. I think it was late night, if I remember correctly, um, called, pulled out my credit card, bought the system. They sent it to me. Uh, and so, yeah, so I was waiting tables for probably another year and a half to two years before, um, I quit and was able to, um, to do this full time. And, you know, interesting enough, when I was in college, I only had nine hours left to graduate when I decided to go full time and I haven't been back to college to finish my degree. So I'm still technically nine hours short of graduating from, from college, but, I like it. um, I, yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, when you think about the, that no money down strategy, it sounded a little bit different. I was just like, wait, so the, 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 the strategy that uh, he was teaching you was um, for the down payment, you would get it from an outside investor? Yeah, no, it's pretty much the same thing I do today. It's finding other people to fund your real estate deals. So um, right now there's three or four ways we fund our real estate deals. Um, number one way we fund most of our deals is with private investors. 
So private investors will fund the purchase price plus the renovations on the property. And um, their security is the property and the equity having the property. So typically we borrow about 70, 70% of the after repair value. So that gives about 30% equity. Um, that's the cushion for a, a real estate investor um, to invest in that deal. Uh, we pay them a nine to 10% return on their money. And, uh, you know, we pay the holding costs and, you know, things of that nature, but that helps us to get into those properties with pretty much no money down. Um, when I first started, I used uh, a bank to get the first mortgage and used my dad to fund the down payment, which is another way to go. If you can go to a hard money lender or a, a local bank and get them to fund 80 to 90% of the purchase and then potentially 90 to 100% of the rehab costs, then you can get into that property with little money down. And that is just allows you to do more deals. You know, we do, uh, you know, I've done close to a thousand deals now in the last 20 years. And I would say 950 of them, I basically bought with no money down. The other 50 or so I bought, um, either had to put a down payment down or I used my own money to pay cash for the property. So, um, it's something that when people say I don't have the money to get into real estate, that's the first conversation I have is you can buy properties with no money down. Uh, you don't have to have money to get into deals. So the way that I teach my, uh, you know, anybody who I talk to that's a little bit newer in the game is don't worry about setting up, you know, your corporation. Don't worry about the operations of the business. Just go find properties. Cause if you can find properties, you can figure out how to fund them. And then once you start doing deals, then you need to worry about setting up, you know, systems and operations and stuff like that. Cause that's what people struggle with finding their first deal. And if you just find your first deal, you're, you you can figure out how to find the money. There's a lot of people that are willing to put money into deals as long as you have a deal that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I, I resonate with everything you just said, Tony. And I, I, I too use no money down strategies such as subject twos and owner financing. And it's crazy to, to think about. Uh, and again, I share the same sentiments that, hey, your LLC, your business cards, none of that stuff is important, right? It's not important until you actually have a business. And um, the first step to having a business is to actually have customers, clients, and our clients and customers are sellers. So let's talk about these sellers, Tony. Let's talk about how, where we find them, how we find them, what's worked over the years, I'm sure the landscape has changed drastically, even here in 2021. I mean, some of the things that have been working well, especially for my business over the past few years, is not working so well today. I'm specifically talking about text message marketing, but let's talk about how you've seen marketing to motivated sellers transform over the past 20 years. Oh, it's been crazy. When I got into it 20 years ago, I was calling uh, people out of the newspaper. That's how, that's how long ago this was. So um, that was one of the the strategies he taught was going to the newspaper. Um, so the equivalent these days would be like going to Craigslist or for sale by owner sites. So there's still some of that that kind of rings true. But you're right. Real estate has changed so much over the last even five years, but you know, five to 10 years because information is more accessible. There's software that you can listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video go, go subscribe to a, uh, a skip tracing service, then, um, subscribe to a text message platform. And within 48 to 72 hours, you could be texting people and you're a real estate investor, right? So, and there's, so there's, it's so saturated with people doing a lot of the same things. Uh, so typically a lot of the same things are buying lists and then either texting, cold calling and or direct mail, right? Text message and cold calling are the ones that are easiest to get into because you don't have to send anything. It's a lot cheaper. It's just labor. And then the cost of the software and the list. 
whereas direct mail um, is still pretty saturated, but maybe not quite as much as texting and cold calling. Um, but it requires more money because you're going to send, you know, you're going to spend thirty to fifty cents, or if you send letters, even closer to a dollar a piece to send out to those people. So for me, um, a lot of things have shifted. Um, even five, six years ago, we bought half, half of our properties off the MLS. Just doesn't work anymore. Can you find properties on the MLS? You probably can, but it's it's a it's a needle in a haystack these days. We buy probably one property off the MLS per year now where we used to buy, wow. you know, 30 to 40 properties off the MLS. Wow. Um, so for me, my number one lead source, um, something that a lot of people don't think about, a lot of people never heard of, even the most experienced real estate investors is motivated seller TV commercials. Um, so I'll tell you the quick story. So tell me, tell me the, or- ago, tell, I was uh, just going to say, tell me the origin, tell me the origin, <laughs> tell yeah, me what you were up yeah, to. It, yeah, it's interesting. So um, it's it's interesting because I ended up meeting a guy at a networking event. Um, he we became really good friends, and then a few months later, after I met him, he introduced me to someone else, and then that guy invited me to a poker game. So I go to this poker game. We go down in the basement, um, and you know we're getting ready to play cards. They got two tables set up, and then I recognized a guy, and I'm like, that guy is on TV. Um, it, it was a, it's a contractor and I had this whole celebrity factor kind of thing in my head going, Oh man, this is kind of cool playing with this guy. He's on TV, whatever. So anyway, so I sit in, I'm sitting next to him and, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, shooting the shit with him. And I'm like, so how, how your TV commercials doing for you? I said, I'm like, I see you on TV all the time. He's like, dude, we, we make like $2 million a year off our TV commercials. And I'm like, no way. That's crazy. He's like, yeah, he was actually, you know, and I told him what I did for a living. And he's like, you know, that might actually be good for TV also. You got to give my media guy a call. Um, so I called him, uh, named Drew, called him up. And I said, hey, you know, um, I heard that, you know, you're the guy to go to for TV, a local guy in Wichita. And uh, so, you know, he talked me through it and he's like, what's your demographic? And he went and negotiated with the stations, got, got me a schedule together and said, hey, here's a schedule. You only need to spend three grand the first month. If it works, keep spending money. If it doesn't, you know, whatever. And so I came up with the scripts. I came up with the production. I did, you know, I did basically a lot of the legwork to um, to get the messaging and all of that. And then he did the ad spend for me. And first month, spent three grand and made 35 grand. So from then it was like, okay, let's continue. And to this day, nine years later, it's my number one lead source. Uh, we get it over 11 times return on our, our last year. We got over 11 times return in, on our investment. I spent three hours last year on TV commercials. Um, I filmed a couple new commercials. We looked at the ad spend a few times. Um, other than that, it was basically set it and forget it. And um, it, it's built so much credibility in my business. So I live in San Diego, as I mentioned before we started uh, filming. Um, but all of my deals are done, uh, or most of my deals are done in Wichita, Kansas. That's where I was born and raised. That's where I have my team in operation. And so when I fly back to Wichita, which is only a couple times a year, just to kind of, you know, visit family and, you know, check on properties and stuff like that. Um, I get recognized all the time. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you're on TV, just like, just like the mindset that I had with the guy that was on TV for construction, when you're on TV, or on video, I'm sure you even get it with your podcast that there's this celebrity factor of like, man, this guy's on TV, he's putting himself out there and you just get treated differently. People trust you more. Uh, it helps all of my other lead sources such as, you know, direct mail and anything else that we do. Um, and 
it's just so much easier. I, I gotta, and, I gotta see one of these commercials, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I'll show you after we get done here. It's uh, you know, I've got scripts that that I give my clients. Are they for, are, for are they are they super serious? Really well. are, are they super serious or super cheesy? Like how? I mean, what what are, what are we talking about here? Well, here's the thing. I I have clients because um, I help clients all over the country um, get on TV, and we've had really good success with it. And you know, some people want to go like way outside the box, and I'm like, okay treat this like a franchise like system. Like I'm a pretty serious guy by nature. And when I'm on my commercials, I'm direct to the point. Hey, do you want to sell your house for cash? I'm the, I'm the guy that you want to sell to. We buy your property with no fees, no commissions, no hassle. Give us a call for a fair cash offer. It's pretty direct and to the point. And I've actually tried doing things differently. So like, that's the serious part. And I do a little bit of a smile on my face, just kind of to attract them a little bit. But then the one time I tried like this car salesman commercial where I'm like, hey, this is totally, you know, and calls literally plummeted. Like it went from like consistent leads and deals to like in 30 days, like it's like almost like we shut it off. So I, I went back. So anyway, so, so for my clients, I'm like, okay, I have a system here. We know what shows to be on. We know what stations to be on. We've got the scripts that we know that work. We've tested them. Um, I've tried different things with the way the commercial feels just be serious because people, when they're selling their house, they're, it's a serious deal, right? I mean, they're, they're selling their house. There's a lot of equity. I mean, that's their biggest asset for 90 some percent of people that sell their house. Um, so you got to treat it seriously. So that's, that's kind of how we do our commercials and, and how we, how we treat it. I like it. I like it. That's, that's fascinating stuff. What was your primary marketing means bef- right, right before that, that poker game? What, what, what were you dead set on? And you thought it was the best thing ever at the time? Well, MLS, like I told you, multiple listing service. We were finding a lot of deals at that time, nine years ago. Um, other than that, um, it's really been a sprinkle of, of everything. You know, um, I can't remember nine years ago exactly what our best lead source was other than, you know, the MLS before we did TV. But, you know, we've done direct mail. Um, we don't do as much direct mail anymore just because it's so saturated. So the direct mail we do is very targeted. Um, so when we buy a house... This is a good tip for you guys. My mastermind group loved this. It's actually probably, other than TV, probably the best return is when we buy a house, we'll actually mail about 100 houses around it and say, hey, we just bought the house at XYZ. We're looking for other properties in this area. So that builds credibility that you already bought a house in the area. And you know, uh, we, we bought a, I'll tell you a story. We bought a duplex one time. Um, and we ended up kind of wholetailing it. We bought it. We, we kind of cleaned it up, um, and put it back on the market and we made like 50 grand on it. And so we did the radius letter again. We call it radius letters. We did a radius around the house again and we sent another mailer out almost exact same duplex, the street over. And we said, Hey, we bought this one for 110,000. Um, you know, that's what we will buy, buy this one for. They took it and we did the exact same thing, cleaned it up, turned it around and sold it for like 170 or whatever the number was and made like 50 grand. So um, I would say oh, other than TV, that's probably our our highest returning because it's very targeted because uh, we know we like those areas and it builds credibility knowing that we bought the uh, house in that area. But you know, we've done other stuff, Facebook and Google, we do a little bit just to kind of keep our brand out there. Um, but like I said, TV brings about 75% of the deals that we do right now. Have you saw that some of those TV ads, and I know that it's going to be a different demographic and a different audience, and your, and your audience is going to be in a different state of mind, but are, are some of those TV ads converting well on Facebook as, for, as Facebook ads, or have you tried that? 
We've tried that. Um, Facebook is just so tough because you're hitting, um, I mean, TV, you're hitting a cold audience too, but Facebook, they're going to see so many other things and they're usually distracted. I mean, I don't know, for some reason, we just never had real good luck with Facebook. We buy probably one to two properties a year off Facebook. So it, I mean, it's a decent return, but it's not super scalable, but we also have to weed through a bunch of crazy leads. You know, if you put something on Facebook, people will just click and be like, yeah, make me an offer. And they're not really that serious. Right. Whereas TV, if they're watching you and they pick up their phone and they're dialing you or searching the web, they're, they're a lot more serious. Right. Um, so so that leads me to my next um, question. What kind of shows? I mean, what, what shows are you targeting? What are you looking at? What, what times of the day? Like, what are some of the things, you know, how you go on Facebook ads and, you know, you got the, the ad builder and you can, you can filter and, and delineate exactly who you want to target. So, I mean, for TV, you could, I, I imagine there, there are a few categories that you can use, but, but you can't get super, super specific, but I imagine again, it's TV. So it's, it's a wide ranging audience and it's, it's, it's good uh, in some facets for that, but what are you and the things that you can't control, what are you trying to control? Yeah. So for the, um, so just because we have a lot of clients throughout the country, um, I'm not going to give give you the whole secret formula, but I will tell you that we do a lot of daytime stuff. Um, you know, we kind of know what our demographic watches now we've tested a lot of different things. Um, so we do a lot of daytime stuff. Um, it's not, it's not it, it, ironically or not ironically, it's not the people watching HGTV or flip this. And I, I don't ever, I never watched a flipping show, so I couldn't tell you what they're called, but it's not those people. Nope. No, it's not because they're, you know, people that are on HGTV typically have a little bit more means. They want design ideas. Maybe they're getting ready to buy a house, maybe getting ready to renovate their own house, you know, that kind of thing. It's people that are um, watching judge Judy and judge Joe Brown, right? <laughs> You got it. Yeah. You, you I was hit, just playing, but am I right? <laughs> you're totally right, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that, that's just it's just a small part of our secret formula. But yeah, wow. It's, it's, it, that was from left it, field. <laughs> no, it's totally, man. And you know, the the thing is is that we've tested those kinds of stuff that's super cheap because it's daytime. There's not as many people watching it. Um, and then we've tested the expensive stuff. And the thing is, is like people have tried to get on TV. Um, before, you know, I'll talk to clients and they'll be like, yeah, I'm wanting to get on TV. I heard you're the guy to go to. I'll talk to them and they're like, yeah, I, I spent three months trying to get rates, but you know, one uh, station was trying to sell me on a $15,000 package and I didn't want to spend 15 grand for one station. And I'm like, your market, we can get you for five grand. We can get you on two to three station, five grand a month, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, I mean the, the, the expensive stuff luckily doesn't work and the cheap stuff works. And that's part of the reason I think we get results is not only we tested it, but the stuff we've tested, the cheaper stuff gets more reach and gets in front of more people and, uh, just performs a lot better. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that. We were able to touch on that. So do you, do you think that even here today, I mean, again, how many less and less people are listening to radio, how many less and less people are watching TV? So, you know, it begs the question, do you think that this strategy is going to work now and in the future? It's interesting because when I launched this program last year, um, showing other investors how to do it and also implementing. So not only do we, um, do we, do we teach people how to do it, but we also do the ad buying and the production and, my media guy that I told you, Drew, is the one that helps me do this. Um, so I asked him this question and I said, because he's been in media 20 years. And I said, is TV going to go away? I'm like, okay, we're getting really good results. We're getting people to sign up left and right because they need a new marketing channel that's not very competitive at all. I said, is there going to be some point where it's going to get turned off? Like, you know, because of streaming and all these things. And he's like, 
he's like, if it does, it's going to be a long time from now. He said, even like YouTube TV, we're on, like we can get on YouTube TV. So like we buy local stations so that, um, you're still on YouTube TV. You're still on, um, Oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank on some of the other ones. But anyway, if they have local stations on the streaming, which most do now, we're going to be on there, right? So even if people are streaming, they're still going to have local stations. They're still local news. They're still going to be the shows. They're still going to be all of that. Now, could it change 20 or 30 years down the road or maybe even 10 years just because you know something completely drastic changes? Maybe, but we're not seeing that because when people uh, think about TV, they're like, oh, that doesn't work. People aren't streaming. They're on Netflix and all that kind of stuff. But again, our older demographic especially still watching TV. Cause think about it. We buy properties from people that are typically 55 and over either they've had the house for 20 or 30 years and they're wanting to sell it or they're inherited the house from their parents that are 80 years old. So they're usually in their fifties still. And so those people grew up on TV, right? I mean, if you had a TV in your household, you were glued to it at night. So that's how they've been conditioned over 30 to 40 years, whatever it is to watch TV. So the chances of them not watching TV is going to be pretty slim. Now, as the younger demographic gets older, could it potentially change? Yeah, but it's going to take, it's going to take quite a while. I like it. I like it. I like it. When you, when you, I mean, we've covered a whole lot about the the front end of your funnel, right? We talk a lot about marketing. We talk a lot about um, where you're marketing, who you're marketing to, but I want to talk a little bit more about the back end of your business and some of the automation that you've put in place. Because again, you, you are doing a lot of the front end stuff, right? You're on a podcast here with me. You're chilling, you're hanging out, you're doing your thing. And you know, there's an entire back end of your business that is being handled while you're on this podcast. I want to talk a little bit more about that and how you kind of um, what what gave you the, maybe it was a coach or a book like Traction, but what gave you the the blueprint to figure out how you can automate your business so that you can do what it is you truly want to do? Yeah. So it's interesting. People look at people in the real estate industry and they're like, man, they're having success. They've been in the business for X amount of time. They've done so many deals, all these kind of things. They're like, man, that's awesome. But they don't see the struggle behind it. Right. So like, mm-hmm. you know, tw- I, I talk about the first 10 years of my business is way different than the last 10. First 10 was making the wrong mistakes, was not asking for help. It was, you know, just hiring the wrong people, attracting the wrong people, the wrong contractors, the wrong employees, all that kind of stuff. So 2010, I had to fire my my whole staff for the second time. And actually, it might have even been the whole third time. I, I think it was the second time. And, and, and I just, I kind of hit rock bottom. Cause I'm like, I'm spinning my wheels. Okay. Financially I'm doing okay. I'm making some money on, on paper. I'm worth X amount of dollars, but man, I am working 60 to 80 hours a week mentally struggling because, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you're making. If you're having to put out quote unquote fires and deal with the wrong people and people stealing from you and screwing you and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just not worth it. So hit a breaking point. So that's when I said, I got to make a change. So I ended up hearing about someone that had a business that they didn't look at properties. They didn't look at, uh, or they didn't manage contractors. Um, they didn't meet with sellers and I'm like, there is no way like, cause I'm like, I'm the best at negotiating. I feel like I'm the best at managing contractors. I'm the best at all these things. Like I need to do it. I'm the business owner. That's, that's the number one misnomer that realists or even just business owners have is that if they want something done and done right, they have to do it themselves. I am the complete opposite where if I want something done right, I have someone that does it that's better than I am at it, whether it's Facebook ads or project management, whatever it is. So anyway, long story short, I hired that coach 
And that just gave me the vision of like, I can be, if, if I'm not going to be at that level, at least I can be somewhere close to where I'm not managing near as much as I'm managing. And I've got people in place that can manage a lot of the things that I don't want to manage anymore. So within three, maybe four years, I was able to do the exact same thing that that guy was doing where I didn't meet with contractors. I didn't meet with sellers. And to this day, like I haven't met a seller in probably six years. I haven't managed a contractor in over six years. Sounds like um, music to my ears. Work, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I work a few hours a week on my real estate investing business. I mean, that's why I can do podcasts. That's why I can help other real estate investors on TV. That's why I can run uh, real estate masterminds. That's why I have a funding business. That's why I do co can do co-working space. I have like six or seven legs of my business that I don't spend a lot of time in each one of them. Uh, because I'm a, I was able to find good people, put good systems in place. And the number one thing is just having the vision. It's kind of like the four minute mile. Like when the four minute like mile hadn't happened, people were like, there's no way you can run a four minute mile. Once someone ran the four minute mile and you realized that you could do that, then a lot of runners were able to do it within a short amount of time. I feel like it's the same way with business is that when people understand and realize that their business does not have to depend on them and they can get that in their head, then it doesn't take a long time and it doesn't take that many key strategic moves to get yourself, even if you're not completely out of your business, at least to where you're working a manageable 20, 30 to 40 hours a week uh, on your business. And that's, that's one of the things that I love talking about and that I love um, you know, giving to people that uh, are in my mastermind group and, and that I mentor as well. I love it. I love it. Um, and that was uh, Roger Bannister who first ran the first four minute mile. And then after that, it was just like people were just running four minute miles like crazy. Um, so so tell me this, because it, it seems like a repeating theme in your life, Tony, when you first picked up the phone to buy, you know, again, this is something that most people condone, like, don't do that. Don't you're not supposed to those late night infomercials. That's spammy. Like, but when you first picked up the phone to buy those set of CDs and you, you're like, Hey, this real estate stuff, it looks like something cool. Let me check this out. No money down. What? Okay. Whatever. Let me do this. And then you, you were at the poker table and you got this advice from a guy who was play, playing poker with you. I mean, you're, you're playing, you're playing a game and you're, you're, you're talking business and you're just like, okay, well, yeah, I, I do TV ads and you know, here's my guy. And then, and then later on, and you decided to, you know, 10 years, you know, into the game, you decided, Hey, I need a coach or a mentor. And, you know, you went to go spend probably thousands upon thousands of dollars to hire this person. And again, every single instance in your life where you need growth, you're going out and you're seeking opportunity, you're seeking mentorship and you're seeking some of these things. Why do you, I mean, the lay of the land today, right? There's a there's a distaste in a lot of people's mouths when it comes to mentorship and and gurus and all that stuff. But but at the same time, there's there's some value to be added to, for, for the you know for the right people, right? And I want to emphasize the right people when it comes to getting coaching and, and be, being helped through the process. What's your outlook on that today? Are you still getting mentorship? Do you feel like you've outgrown mentorship? Like, what do you? I mean, what do you? What do you? What do you think about the entire mentorship game here in real estate today? Yeah. I mean, it's just like Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan, even when they're at the top of their game, they can still use coaching. They still have coaches. They have, you know, strength and conditioning coaches they have for Tiger Woods. He's got a, uh, uh, a driver coach. He's got a putting coach. I mean, there's, you know, you can never be at a level where you can't use some kind of coaching or mentorship. So I've got, um, right now I've got two coaches. Uh, one's a personal coach and then one is, um, kind of a goals oriented coach. Um, and so 
I reach out to them for, or I, I hire them, I should say, for accountability to make sure that, that I'm still like doing the things that I need to do, right? Especially with all the businesses I have, like I still go back to working on some of the things I shouldn't be working on. And, and by having a coach, they keep me accountable for, hey, why are you doing some of this and, and some of your businesses? Okay, yeah, I, I need to go back to, uh, you know, what I, what I teach. And, and that's, you know, do the things you love that produce results and get rid of the 10 to $15 in activities that don't do, uh, that don't do you justice or don't do much for your business. Um, and then, you know, I run virtual real estate mastermind groups for high level investors. So that keeps me sharp. I get to see what other investors are doing. I coach them and mentor them, but then also they give to the group cause it's a mastermind. We're sharing what's working. So doing that alone by itself just helps me sharpen my game. Cause I can teach some things to them as far as like automation and things like that. And then there's things that I'm not doing in my business that they say, Hey, I'm doing, you know, billboard I'm doing, you know, I hired this person and I had him take over, um, you know, all of my businesses, you know, just all, there's just things like that. When you hang around people that are successful and that are doing really good things that, um, sharpen your saw. And so I run uh, a mastermind for other, educators that, you know, have products and services that cater to real estate uh, professionals. Um, so what it comes down to really, it's, you know, you can hire people um, to be your coaches. You can join mastermind groups with your peers that are at your same level or hopefully higher to learn from and be around. And then the other thing is, is just surrounding yourself with the right people. Like, I, I mean, I have a huge Rolodex now that I probably just in the last five years I've created the first 15 years, I didn't really have much of a Rolodex, but now if I have an issue or if I want to talk to someone about something, I have someone in my Rolodex that does it. I have a high level Facebook person. I've got um, someone that raises a lot of money. So if I have a question, I can, I can call them. And then not only can I call them, but I also surround myself with them in masterminds and, and, you know, just different ways, um, to get in front of them and be around them. Cause the first mastermind I ever went to six years ago, it's when I really started understanding the concept, I went into the room with 30 other real estate investors and I thought I was the big cheese. I was doing, I don't know, 70 or 80 deals a year. And there were guys doing 200, 300, 500, a thousand deals a year. And just being around those guys, just kind of upping your mentality and the level of your thinking, um, being around those people is, is tremendous. So uh, long story short is whether you're hiring them or whether, you know, you're, you know, you're not hiring them, just be around people that are sharper than you are. And that can, can help you, uh, kind of sharpen your saw because, you know, if, if you're around really good people that are doing some really good things, you're going to raise your game. But if you're around people that aren't doing much or they're complainers or, you know, that kind of thing, um, which first 10, 10 years of my, of my career I had. Um, and then, then this last 10 years has been tremendous with surrounding myself with great people and getting myself to that next level. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to walk through Tony. I want to walk through what a typical day in your life looks like and what you're focused on, what your morning routine is. And as you walk through your day, we'll, we'll touch on one of the previous questions. Cause I know you, you answered it and you expanded on it, but I, I don't think we really got what your team members and who they were and what their roles were. So as you're going through your day, I know you're checking in with certain people in certain facets of the business. So let's talk about those people as well, just so we can see, uh, again, the automation part of your business, because you're, you're, probably check marking a few boxes and your integrators running off to do X, Y, and Z. So walk me through a typical day starting from your morning routine. 
Yeah, I have a two-year-old, so my morning routine's changed a lot in the last couple of years. Um, he's sleeping better now. So my morning routine, like this morning, I'd meditated. Um, I I do I don't do coffee. I do a either a um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, turmeric latte or matcha latte or cacao latte. So something that has superfoods in it to kind of get some good stuff in my system start to start out. Um, I did a little bit of exercise. I did some, you know, my knees bothering me. So I'm doing some hamstring stuff and some workouts. So I try and get a little bit of exercise in. Um, so if I can meditate, get some exercise in, uh, and then put some good stuff in my body the first thing in the morning, that's, that's key to me. Um, I started getting back into the habit of checking my emails before eight o'clock. Um, so I've got myself in the mindset of like <laughs> no emails before eight. You know, I, I, I started a couple new businesses recently that are really taken off. So it's like, I just want to get in there and like, you know, start pushing projects forward with my team. So, um, uh, so that's helped me quite a bit, not, not touching anything till eight. Um, so I time blocked eight and nine, not have any appointments. Um, again, I was booking a bunch of appointments at eight and starting my day too, too early. So between eight and nine, I have, uh, I can plan, I can do my top three things. So I have this worksheet also like this called my daily progress planner. So I've got gratitude. I've got three things I need to do today, something healthy. I need to do today, something fun, something nice for someone. Um, and then I've got three words to describe who I want to be today. So I can subconsciously like be that every single day. I like day it. Or, I, like it. I like it a lot. Oh man. When I, when I do that in the morning, my, my day is way, way different than when I don't do it. Um, so the, the first 60 to 90 minutes of your day are the most productive. So doing the things that are the hardest and or that are produce the most results are what I like to do first thing in the morning. And then, you know, I've got a pretty decent sized team. So I've got team meetings all throughout the week. I've got a Monday meeting. I've got a Tuesday meeting. I've got, um, and these are one Wednesday. These Wednesday. are different tranches of the business. Not the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I've got, you know, flipping rentals, co-working, funding business. So instead um, of, TV, real quick, I just, just want to clarify real, real quick, uh, Tony, I just want to clarify for our listeners. So instead of you solving problems in multiple businesses or all of your businesses in the same day, you have different days to solve problems and to check in with G- with each business. Is that what you're saying? I do work on um, most of my businesses I, uh, excuse me, three of my key businesses, probably most days in some aspect, um, the flipping rental and co-working business pretty much run themselves. It's the newer businesses that are, that are scaling pretty fast right now that I spend uh day to day on, but I do have, uh, a team meeting for certain things, uh, pretty much each day of the week. So my key people I have meetings with, I have a meeting with everybody on my team. So we get together for an hour and just kind of like, um, just do updates with everybody, get on the same page. And then I have my integrators. You mentioned integrator. I have integrators for every business that I meet with and just keep them accountable, give them, uh, you know, give them the things that need to be done, you know, in the given week, keep them on track. You know, like we have a mastermind we're doing next month. So we just had a meeting for an hour about like making sure everything's ordered. Everybody's got invites out, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I do have days that I work more on some things, but there's still, you know, days where I work, I could work on all six businesses if, if, if I decide to, and then the TV thing's taken off quite a bit. So I I'm doing, um, all of the onboarding for our TV clients. They're, you know, they're spending quite a bit of money with us. So I like to, um, to be on the calls with them, make sure they're a good fit for the program. And I'm spending a lot of time with, with clients right now on the front end. Um, not only, 
introducing them to the program, making sure they're a good fit. But then also I have people reach out to me all the time and say, Hey, you know, I've got a question on incoming leads that are coming in or, or whatever. And that's part of our program is kind of coaching them through that. So no, no one day is, 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 is the same, but I do have a routine set up where I have stuff time blocked with my team to, to go over, go over certain things. Are you strict then? And just wrapping up your day, are you strict on how your day ends? Do you typically cut off business at a certain point in time and then the rest is for family? Or do you kind of work into the wee hours of the morning until you get every assignment done? What's your what's your evening look like? Yep. I'm I'm now eight to five. Um, there's times in the evening where I think about something or I'll send a quick email or I'll jot some notes down or um, you know, or forget about an email that I may just go ahead and shoot off because there's a closing the next day or I forgot to wire money or, you know, something like that. But my, my thing for my wife is I'm home at five o'clock every single day. Uh, every once in a while, I'll text her and be like, Hey, it's going to be five 30. Uh, I can't remember the last time I was home after five 30. Um, that's just kind of the rule that, I didn't want <laughs> my wife's kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of semi set for me, but it's actually really good for me because I, when I was single, man, I, I worked until 10 o'clock, sometimes even midnight sometimes. And what I realized is, it, it, you know, if you haven't heard of Parkinson's law, you got to look it up. It's like, if you give yourself an eight hour day, you're going to figure out how to get that stuff done in eight hours. If you give yourself 12 hours, the same work is going to stretch into 12 hours. So for me, like I'll even, there's days where I only work four hours, you know, I'll, I'll go play pickleball for two or three hours and, and, you know, go get my haircut and whatever. And just, you know, if I don't have appointments and somehow I figure out in those four hours to get the same amount done in about the same eight hours by delegating, working on things that are the most important, um, and you know, things like that. So, you know, people who say be the first in the office and the last out and, you know, you need to, you need to hustle and grind and all this kind of stuff. And there, there's work to be put in, but people put that, uh, take that way too far and it just creates burnout. So for me, it's just eight to five. And, you know, on the weekend, I may check email for an hour just to clear stuff out, but I take weekends off. Um, we book a, a trip every two to three months where I'll take a week off and we'll go to Hawaii or, you know, we're going to Tahoe next month. I mean, to me, it's, it's, I work when I work, but I try and take off when I'm off and, and try and enjoy life a lot more than, uh, than I used to. Cause you know, it's not, it's not fun unless you're, you're having some fun, right? This episode is brought to you by PropStream. Oh, before PropStream, before PropStream, I struggled with subpar list providers that overcharged, wasted gas going to the county courthouse only for them to run out of CD-ROM copies of this month's liens list. I wrongly estimated repair costs or just simply lacked the access to the MLS that I truly needed to get deals done. I mean, it was a nightmare networking with realtors hoping to get access to their software. To make things worse, I did marketing on a bunch of different platforms, all of which, by the way, came with the monthly costs. And I would grab my CD-ROM, I would head home, I would convert it, I would upload the list to a skip trace service and then a ringless voicemail service and then a postcard service and so on. Wasting hours and missing potential deals. By the time I was finally in a position to talk to a seller, my leads were stale and I had to start over again since I wasn't able to get real-time updates of properties that sold or were taken off the market. Lots of real estate investors are in this position and lots of real estate investors are losing. Last year, I specifically brought PropStream specialists in-house to revamp our lead generation systems and it was instantly a game changer. Not only is PropStream one system that houses all my leads and is updated in real time, but this system has MLS level data, even in non-disclosure states like Texas, where I invest. 
So now we run our own comps, our own rehab estimates, our own title searches, all of this in one app. Yes, one single app. And here's the kicker. That just scratches the surface of the power of this app. We also generate all of our leads lists with this app, from pre-foreclosures to bankruptcy and tax liens, bye-bye county courthouse. And then once we have those dynamic lists, we can also use PropStream to market to those leads with postcards, email marketing, voice drops, and they even throw in unlimited number of landing pages so that you can have a site up and running in less than three minutes. Obviously, something like this should cost easily hundreds or thousands of dollars, but for less than $100 a month, you could own the most powerful real estate tool that I've probably ever seen. For the listeners of this show, make sure you head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash deal. That's D-E-A-L, beforethemillions.com forward slash deal for a few dollars off of your monthly subscription. I went from seven different apps to operate my business down to two once I made the switch to PropStream. And more than anything, really, it's provided me and my team with more clarity and peace of mind. That link again is beforethemillions.com forward slash deal to gain access to the all-in-one real estate tool that'll transform your business. Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? I told you about a coach that I have. Um, I'll tell you uh, why. Well, I'll tell you two. One is Indistractable. Uh, talks about distractions and how to get rid of distractions. Uh, and then there's another one called 12 Week Year. Um, I read it, I don't know, six months ago and I really liked it. It's basically the concept is taking your year-long goals and creating 12-week goals. Um, it's kind of like Parkinson's law, like I said. So if you give yourself a year to make X amount of dollars and do all these things, it's going to take that long. November, December, you're going to be scrambling to finish those goals. Whereas if you do 12-week goals, um, then you can pack them down. You get 12, 12 weeks done, and then you move on to the next 12 weeks. So I hired a coach uh, to keep me accountable for that. And, and it's a really good book. You need to, need to check that one out for sure. I love it. Absolutely. And if it's not every episode, it's every other episode. I, so my audience knows it well. We talk about Parkinson's law and we talk about the 12 week year. So we're right, right in alignment. So oh, cool. I love nice. that recommendation. Absolutely. Um, next question. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, Trello is a good one. Um, I don't use it near as much as I should, but my team uses it. So it's basically a project management board. Um, so, uh, so that's a good one to keep, uh, keep on top of projects. Um, I just downloaded one today called Forest and it's a, it's a productivity app. So what you do is you put a timer on and if you get out of the app and go into something else, then your tree dies. So your concept is to like grow different trees by being focused on certain things. So for me, I like to do work sprints of like 30 to 60 minutes, um, undistracted, right? So anyway, Forest is, is an app that I just downloaded. I haven't quite used it yet, but it, the concept's good. And I think I'll probably probably end up using it uh, to stay focused. I, I am way ahead of you. It's not often I download an app in the middle of a show, but I'm downloading that one <laughs> for us. Nice. Okay. Let's see what, yeah, it sounds like a great productivity app and I recommend all of us download Forest for more better productivity. Um, what do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? Uh, I've got a lot of freedom. You know, I have a lot of stuff booked throughout the week. Um, but you know, like Monday I had my team meeting, um, I ended up, uh, you know, telling them I couldn't be there. 
um, and they took the, they took the meeting on, um, you know, I can go like, I love pickleball. I don't know if you, you, you've played pickleball before, but it's getting really big and popular and it's for a great reason. Cause it's pretty addicting. So, um, you know, I'll just, sometimes at 11 o'clock, I'll be like, you know what, I'm just going to go play pickleball for a few hours and, and it kind of clears my head and, and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the fact that I can make my own schedule and determine my own destiny, I think is the best thing about being a, an entrepreneur and real estate investor. Love it. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? I'm going to reverse that a little bit. Um, I thought I had to sacrifice a lot when really you don't really have to sacrifice a lot. So if you looked at my life 12 years ago, um, you know, I, I bought a nice house. I had a pool in the backyard. I had all this stuff. Right. But then my, like my family would be like, Hey, can we come use the pool? And I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. On the weekend, they would come use the pool. I'd be inside working. And I'm like, I am working to fund their lifestyle and being able to use my pool. Like, what am I doing? Like, I didn't, I didn't realize until years later. Um, so I made a lot of sacrifices that I didn't need to working way too late, working on the weekends, all that kind of stuff. So there are some sacrifices you need to make. Um, you know, there's, there's things that you may have to stop doing. Um, you know, like for me, I'm a, I'm a productivity guy. So talking about like, even just like the way you eat and like drinking too much caffeine and stuff like that. There's sacrifices on that side. I feel like you need to perform at a high level physically and energetically. Um, but from a standpoint of like the sacrifices that some people talk about, I just don't think that they're real. You don't need to work until 12 o'clock at night. You don't need to be the first one and last one out. Uh, it's how can you sacrifice just enough to know that you're working hard, but not so much that you're going to to be to the detriment of your energy, of your life, of your mental well-being, because I've been there and it's not fun. So, sorry, I kind of reversed that on you a little bit. I like it. I uh, like it. I like it a lot. I like that perspective. Um, it, you know, it gives us a little bit of a different perspective, and you know, it takes that every once in a while to have a to have a shift. So, I definitely enjoyed that answer. Uh, who was essential to your growth before the millions, and why? Oh man. Um, I'm going to, I can't think of one person necessarily or as a uh, conglomerate of people, but honestly, I'm just going to say myself and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not and I, and I'm not going to say, cause I knew everything. It's because it was really me that needed to make the decisions and do the right things to be successful. Right. Like I could reach out to, you know, Tony Robbins tomorrow, who, uh, is where I met my wife was a Tony Robbins seminar, big fan of his obviously, but um, like I could go to him for something, but if I don't do the things that I need to do, if I don't, um, you know, meditate in the morning, if I don't work out, if I don't do all those things, then it's not going to work out. So I would say I'm me or you or whoever you are is the most important thing. Um, you can look outside for different people and you can hire coaches and all that stuff. But when it comes down to it, you got to do, you got to do what you got to do, you know? I like it. I like it. That that is the first time that answer has ever been given on this show in, in about 200 episodes. So I like nice. it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Uh, last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Uh, I'll go back to you. It's, it's mindset. Um, so like, you know, when I first started my business again, it was like, I needed to eat, breathe, and sleep real estate. I needed to, you know, to do certain things. And what it came down to is you need to work 
almost as much on yourself as you do your business. Because if you work all in your business, don't work on yourself, you're going to burn out. Uh, you know, meditating, working out, eating right, not drinking too much caffeine, not staying up too late, um, not sleeping too long, not sleeping too little. I mean, there's so many things that you can do um, from a productivity standpoint, from an energy standpoint, and that kind of thing um, that are going to get you to that next level. And uh, I totally just blanked on the question. Give me the question again. Why do you think so many of us are stuck? Stuck. It, yeah, it's a mentality. It's totally a mentality. Some people like there's a really good quote that um, I think it's Henry Ford that said it, whether you think you think can do it or think you can't do it, you're right. right. <laughs> so those people that are like, I can't invest in real estate. I don't have the money. Well, you just told yourself you can't invest in real estate or man, you've got you know six different businesses. There's no way I can do that. Obviously you can't because you don't think you can, right? So it's, right. it's, it's really just a mentality thing. And it goes back to the Roger Bannister thing. It's like, once you know that you can run a four minute mile and you have a little bit of a roadmap to it, you can get there. So I think that's why podcasts are so popular is because you get to hear from people that have done it. Uh, and once you hear that somebody has done it, it gets you some inspiration and hopefully will get you some motivation to, to kind of get to that next level or even to just get started. So totally mentality for sure. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. We are, our mentality is what creates our reality. So keep that in mind. Mr. Tony Javier, this has been an absolutely amazing podcast episode. I've learned so much about your life, your journey, how you invest and how you're helping other investors invest through your, um, through your methods on TV. It's been simply amazing to learn that commercials are, um, are where you're getting all your motivated seller leads. I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's dope. I love it. And you know, if our listeners want to learn a little bit more about that, they want to learn a little bit more about you, uh, maybe pop in, ask you a question or two, maybe even just say, hi, where can they find some of your information? Give us some links here. Yeah. If you want to learn about the TV program, go to realestatemasterstv.com. Again, realestatemasterstv.com. You can apply and see if uh, your market's available and if you'd be a good fit. If you're a new investor, it's fine. I actually used to not let let new investors in, um, but I actually let an investor in that was super motivated, division one, college one quarterback. I'm like, okay, if this guy can work it, anybody can. He ended up talking me into going into the program and he made a hundred grand in his first two months and he never made a dollar in real estate before. So even if you're a new investor, go check it out. And then if you um, just want to see some of my other stuff, you can go to TonyJavier.com, T-O-N-Y-J-A-V-I-E-R.com. Love to help you how I can. Love it. Well, Tony, thank you for coming on the show and we'll talk to you very, very soon. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. 